Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. Men, as always, I want to thank you for taking the time and checking out today's show. If this is your first time here, make sure you click subscribe. If you're on YouTube, make sure you click that bell. Whatever you need to get notified, anytime there's a new podcast, interview, conversation, men in the Bible, or anything that we're covering within the pursuit of manliness, all this is designed to equip you to understand what it means to be a man of God, uh, to get in the Word of God, to, to realize the God of Scripture, and ask yourself, okay, then what do I do with that? If that's true, what do I do with that. Before I get into today's conversation, as you can see in the title, uh, Passive Men Don't Make War Against Kings, uh, I want to share, this is, a, a, this is a, a talk that I gave to uh, the men at Mount Auburn Christian Church in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Uh, recently, my son and I went to Cape Girardeau, Missouri and uh, took Pursuit of Manliness back on the road. We have not done that for a little over a year now because of all the restrictions and social distancing and all that. So it was good to get back on the road. Uh, these guys had asked me to come in 2020, uh, but we just couldn't make it happen. So got to do it just recently. Uh, these are really good men. If you live in the Cape Girardeau, Missouri area, um, and you don't have a church home, what are you doing? Like these are really good guys. A couple things. One, uh, we did some axe throwing, knife throwing. I appreciate uh, Shane Shepard being so uh, good to my son. You know, teaching him how to throw an axe and stuff. He was on cloud nine. The food there was ridiculously good. Um, both times, uh, dinner and lunch. Lunch, a pizza place called Rosita's. I think unbelievable. Um, I'm five hours away. It'd be worth the five hour drive just to go get that pizza. Um, the church has really, really good people. Uh, naturally, uh, the pastor and I are fr- Casey Elmore is a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, he and his wife, Ashley are just remarkable human beings. Um, they do a great job with their kids. Uh, all that was good. And I knew that would be good going in there. But one of the things that really hit me was the conversations I was able to have with these men, uh, one-on-one, <clears throat> forgive me, one-on-one, two-on-one, two-on-one, whatever, you know, a couple guys standing there talking, whatever, that they would say things like, you know, episode 164, where you talked about, or this one really hit me at this time. And I want you guys to know, like, that means a lot. And that's really humbling. What you're working through, I'm working through. And it just shows that God is constantly at work in all of our lives. But for you to say, hey, when you said this, or when you, and you knew the, the episode number and those things, it's very, very humbling. And I don't know what you got out of the weekend, but I got a whole bunch out of the weekend just getting to connect with you guys. And it is always a privilege when I get invited to uh, a church, a men's event, or whatever. And, and I desire to show up well for those guys, give you guys something to consider, and then, um, yeah, hopefully we make a, a brotherhood connection there. And I feel like we did that at Cape Girardeau. I'm sharing that because, again, it's been over a year, and it was just really good to to get back in the car, load up some stuff, and, and head that way. And um, you guys are good dudes. Um, but what we talked about is this this the sin of passivity. And so if the guys are listening from Cape Girardeau, you heard this. Uh, I'm, I'm literally using the notes that I used that night with you guys to share on this podcast today because I believe it's something that we really need to, to dive into. And it's something I made a, a short video of a, a couple months ago. And after the video, I reached out to Casey and I said, hey, I'm thinking about expounding on this. You know, when I come to you guys, you think that'll work? I said, it'll work. So uh, here we are. I'm going to do it uh, again. But uh, one of the things I said was the sin of passivity is destroying us. It was destroying me in my life. I was just a passive guy. I wasn't a bad guy. I was a Christian guy. Love my wife. I love my kids, but not enough to really do some things that exerted extra effort, right? I wasn't a, a bad guy. I just didn't really want to rock the boat. I really just thought it was all going to work out in the end. And I hoped, you know what, if I just be decent, if I just be good, if I just try to, you know, not break the bad ones in the Bible, you know, then then that's fine. That's that's what this life's about. And I realized as I got into scripture 
and really started to read them again with with, uh, fresh eyes, that isn't at all what this is about. And I think some of the things we struggle with as Christian men is we don't know how to fight battles the right way. Either we think it's Jesus flipping over tables and just yelling and screaming, or we go sit in the hammock and hope it all, you know, it all it's all gonna burn like Sodom and Gomorrah. We just need to turn our back and run to the hill. I think there's a I think there's something somewhere in between there. Somewhere in between there. And I think it starts with us understanding that there are things that we need to wage war against every single day. Now hear me out when I say wage war, because I know there's people who go, Well, here you go, that's some kind of you know military talk or you know, killing or not at all. Please understand it and don't don't put words in my mouth or don't create some kind of hyperbole that I said something I didn't say. So let's let's unpack this idea. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land that the Israelites are going to inhabit. When those spies come back after a period of 40 days, 10 of them say, no way. We're going to look like grasshoppers compared to them. Are you serious? There's Nephilim in there. The Amalekites will destroy us. Their descendants and descendants. and des- I mean, they're just making this story so much bigger than really what it is. And that not not one word, not one word about, about God. Well, you know, we're, we're trusting that God. No, not one. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb, were like, what are you talking about? We can overcome these guys. What are you talking about? If God has sent us in there... Uh, we're fixing to take it over. Like we're going to do what God has has called us to. Do. There is a victory in this. Like no, no, no. Ten guys, the majority, which is what it feels like in our day. The majority stir up the community and say, "Forget it, forget it. We're not budging." Now, this community, you need to know, makes irrational threats, irrational cries against Moses and God throughout the last you know time that they've been wandering on the desert floor. They've been doing this for the whole time they've been brought out of Egypt. Did you bring us out here because there were no graves in Egypt and you just wanted to kill us in the desert? We had meat pots in Egypt. We had food to our fill. You were slaves there. Like you were miserable there. Like, no, we don't don't remember it that way. And you brought us out here because our kids are going to die here. Well, it gets to the point in the Israelites' lives. And men, it gets to the point in your life and my life where God says, that's it. No more. Maybe he calls you home. Maybe you pass away in your sleep. Maybe something happens where... um, you know, a, a car goes by and, and, and you get hit. I, I don't know. There comes a day where we're not on this planet taking up space anymore. But there's also a time where I believe God draws a line in our sin and says, okay, now's the consequence of your sin. You refuse to repent of this. You ref- refuse to turn from your wicked ways. Now you're going to deal with the consequences of this. And in Numbers chapter 14, God uh, basically unloads on the Israelites and it says, the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? He says, I'm done. I'm fed up. I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Oh, it's going to happen. All the things that you were like worried about, all the fear, all the foreboding, it's going to happen to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and all your number listed in the census for 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land. I swore I would make you dwell except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, verse 31 of 14, but your little ones who you said would become prey, I'll bring in and they will all know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. God says your descendants are going to live in here, not you. I find this kind of funny, um, kind of sad at the same time. The funny part would be, I just think there's that one last guy who they're waiting for to die, Bob. Okay, Bob's laying on a cot. They're like, man, when Bob dies, we're going in. We're going in. When Bob dies, we get to go in the promised land. Bob, how you feeling today? Oh, good. He's feeling better. Oh, my word. Who gave him Gatorade? Like, who's giving him Tylenol? Knock it off. Like, we're waiting for the last guy to die. Now, here's the sad part. 
And this is this is really a sad part. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14, when Moses is giving the longest and one of the most effective sermons in the history of the world, reminding them of all the things that God has done and will do if they choose him, he says in 2.14, uh, all these years that you're wandered, he waited for the men of war to die. They were men of war. These were guys that had the skill. They didn't have the will. Skillfulness was there. Willingness? No. No. They were more than capable to fight the battles that were set before them. They just didn't want to do it. They just did not want to do it. So you get into the book of Joshua after the last one has died and Moses died. Joshua, God's going to do a new thing in Joshua and you have all the ups and downs of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 12, there's a list of all these kings. And it's one of those chapters where you read it and you're like, what does this have to do with me? Like, I know I should read this, but man, I don't know any of these names. I know I'm, I'm butchering every one of them. The very last few words in Joshua 12, verse 24 says, in all 31 kings. 31 times Joshua and his men had to go off to war. 31 times they went and fought battles. Joshua chapter 11, verse 18 says, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Have you made war with anything in your life for a long time? Or was it a 27-second repentance prayer? God forgive me, I don't want to do that again. And then, you know, eight minutes later, I'm back in the same thing. Joshua made war a long time against those kings. Well, how many? 31 kings. 31 times they had to go off into battle. You're talking about years and battles and weariness and different seasons and leaving when there was marital problems and leaving when there was problems with their children and leaving when they didn't feel like it, when they were tired, when the enemy felt like it was bigger than anything that they could conquer. 31 times they probably fought battles. They said, can't someone else just do this? 31 times they went into war with their wife going, are you serious? How many times are you guys going to have to leave us here? And, and, and we have to go you know, just take care of everything by ourselves while you guys go fight. the 31 times. I'd venture to say we would struggle to find men who are willing to go into battle 31 times over anything. And I'm talking spiritual battle. I'm not talking about storming the doors, knocking it down and blowing everything. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about the guy whose his battle is running someone down behind closed doors. I'm talking about like really dealing with some stuff. 31 times they had to say goodbye and go fight for something that they were protecting their family from. Are you willing to fight for something to protect your family from it. I mean, really deal with it. Because there's times I'm like, God, you, you, you have the remedy to this. You could just take this away. You could just fix this. I, will, I don't want to deal with this. I'm tired. I got all this stuff at the church I got to deal with. I got this, all this stuff in my own life I got to deal with. And I got to deal with this too. And sometimes looking around, you're like, I wish I had some other warriors to fight with me. Do you ever feel that way? Like, I wish there was someone on my left and someone on my right to, to fight with me. 31 times they went and fought for something that they didn't want their wife and kids to have to deal with. Could that be said about you? You see, here's the thing. Passive men don't do this. Passive men do not wage war against kings. They just don't. They just don't. They hope someone else does it. Passive men don't go into battle of any kind, for that matter. Passive men don't confess generational sin. How many times have you seen a, a, a strong man of God sit down and say, ah, it's, just a, it's just who we are. It's what we do. I don't know. I don't know. What. Now, passive men say, we're going to deal with this right now because I don't want my kids and I don't want my grandkids dealing with this. It's sin. It ain't funny. It ain't okay. It ain't part of our last name. It ain't part of our heritage. We're going to let God write a new story. Passive men don't confess generational sin. Do you have generational sin in your life that you know you detested it? 
but now you are repeating it. Turn this off right now and go confess it. Walk in new light. Don't, don't, don't go any further. It ain't worth it. Passive men don't fight for the heart of their marriage. And listen, I'm not saying every guy who's divorced was passive. I'm not. And I'm not saying every woman that was divorced was passive. I'm not saying they're all committing adultery either. Listen, I think there's times where you say, well, it just ain't working. We're tired of each other and we just move on. Okay, repent of that. And don't do that again. But I've met guys that just keep repeating the same sin over and over. And they can't realize they're the common denominator. Repent of it and don't live like that no more. But I just believe God wants you to fight for the heart of your marriage. I just do. I just believe that covenant is more important to him than your comfort. I just do. I just believe that. And I know they don't all work out in the end. I know I know that. We're flawed human beings. I get it. But passive men don't fight for the heart of their marriage. Passive men don't fight for the heart of their kids when things get tough. Well, I don't know. They start to blame their kids for things. They start to blame themselves in the past. Listen, let's, let's, let's draw the line in the sand right now, and let's stop doing that. Let's start pursuing their heart. Don't force them, especially if they're grown up. Don't force them. Just love them well. Just ask God to direct the relationship. Passive men don't do that. They just hope it all works out in the end. Passive men don't get out of their comfort zone. Passive men do not do things that make them uncomfortable or that will require more time than they are willing to give. They just don't. Because that leads me into my next one. Passive men do not pour into the lives of other people. Passive men want people to pour into their life when it's convenient for them and works for them. But they're not going to return, serve, and pour into the life of somebody else. They're just not. And I've seen it so many times. Now, they wouldn't admit they're passive. They would give you a bowl of excuses and say, well, this you need to know, and I just don't know, and I just, baloney. I, I'm not buying it. And we need to stop buying it too. We need to stop giving these guys a pass. Passive men do not pour in the lives of other people. Passive men want people to pour into their lives. You know why passive men don't pour into the lives of other people? Because they know how complicated and uncommitted they are, and they know that they would have to deal with people just like themselves. So passive men just don't do that. Passive men just hope it all works out in the end. And I want you to know hell is full of passive men. But if you believe scripture, if you believe the Bible, Mr. Christian, if you believe that, you know it does not all work out in the end. The only way it all works out in the end is if we are in Jesus. My eight-year-old was asking about that last night, about hell, and can you pray in hell? And My eight-year-old was having a, a, a deeper theological conversation out of nowhere, whether he was trying to stay up later or what, I don't know where these real thoughts, I mean, he had tears in his eyes as he's working through this in bed saying, I just think the last couple months, and I don't know what, what all sparked this, but maybe it was the trip that we just took from Missouri and being around other good Christian guys and, and being around Christian kids. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm thankful for all of it because it led to a great conversation that most men are not willing to have. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, it does not all work out in the end, period. And Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23 says, it's more important that Jesus knows you. So, well, I'm Christian. I go to church. I that ain't what it is. That's why you got to get in the Bible. That is not what it is. Passive men don't do these things, all right? And so sometimes you look to your left, you look to your right, and you're like, where's the guys? Where's the, the men? I'm not talking about misogynistic men. I'm not talking about, you know, guys who are just all bark, no bite. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about real guys, you know, who say, listen, I don't have it figured out. I love my wife, man. I would do anything for her. Um, but to say I would do anything for her means I have to lead her spiritually. I have to lead my home spiritually. It means I have to fight these, but I realize I have to do this. And in the last year, in the last 12 to 14 months, there's been a lot of guys that it, to me, from my perspective has been revealed. I would never go into any battle with them at all. 
spiritual or physical. Because listen, I don't know how they would pray, so I, I don't know if I want you praying for me. Because I'm looking at your faith lived out, and I'm like, I, I, I don't want that. That ain't what I think it is in Scripture. Maybe what I have isn't what you think it is in Scripture. Fair enough. I, there's there's some guys I wouldn't go into a grocery store with, let alone to any real battle. The narrow road got real thin, didn't it? We all we were all convinced we're on the narrow road, and suddenly when push came to shove, and that wasn't even that big of a deal, and we're, I guess we're still in it, the narrow road thinned out pretty quickly. We've got people all over the world in chains, in prisons, because of their faith. And we're not sure if we can go to church because we want to limit our exposure. Well, they wanted to limit their prison time, but they still took a stand for their faith. To me, that seems like a radically different perspective. To me, that seems like if we don't fight for these battles now, that's going to be our circumstance later on. But listen, if, if, if the God of the Bible to you allows you to be passive, you don't care. You, you don't care. You're going to let other people deal with it, and you're going to, you're going to sit on the sidelines and critique what they do. Here's my perspective. If God calls me home today, if he, said, if, 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 I, if he calls me home before this podcast ends or before you get done listening, and I stand before him and I give an account for my life, I want to be able to say, if I have any courage at all in me to ever respond to the God of the Bible as I stand before the creator of the universe, the Almighty, who knows every intricate detail of my life, and anyone who's ever set foot on this planet, who created me out of dust and who breathed life into my nostrils every day. If I have anything in me at all, I want to be able to say, I gave you the best of what I had. I wasn't the most talented. I wasn't the most gifted. I wasn't the most skilled. I wasn't the most resourced. I wasn't the most networked, but I'm telling you what, I, I gave you, I tried to give you all that I have. I didn't leave any in the reserve tank. I didn't hide out. I didn't play it safe. I did try to speak up. I did try to watch my words to depending on who I was talking to. I did try to watch my actions. I did I did I did repent. I did try to do, I want to at least be able to say I gave you my best effort. Can you say that? Cuz passive men don't even take a hard look at themselves. They just don't. We don't get to decide the outcome in life, but we do get to decide our level of obedience. God who gets the victory, it's already his, whether we're a part of it or not, he he knows the outcome. He wants us to be obedient. So listen, I would encourage you to look for men. They're out there. There are guys that are out there who really are fighting these battles. When I went to uh, Missouri, I got to meet a guy named Shane Shepard who's been in tribe the last, what are we at, four or five months, four months, I think, somewhere in there. And so over that last period of time, he and I have got to know each other virtually. So here we get to know each other face-to-face. That relationship, that bond was already there. We didn't have to introduce ourselves. We didn't have to say, so what are you into? How many kids do you have? We already did. We've been on this journey through tribe the last four months. We've talked about some stuff. At Rosita's, we talked about some stuff that we've talked about some stuff, right? And sitting next to me was my good friend and his pastor, Casey. And one of the things I told Shane is we really need both. You have a virtual thing here. You have people online that you can connect with any hour of the day. You can't always hit up your pastor. You can't always hit up your neighbor. You can't always hit up your accountability partner. You just can't. And some days they're just not there to do that, but you can't hit up your community that people live that all over across the country and outside of the U S that they're always on there. There's always somebody who will respond to you. But man, when you walk in on the weekends or your men's study or your men's event, whatever, and he's here, that bond is much stronger. And Casey has a good bond with the men in his church and they like him and he likes them. So Shane's got both. That's what we need. We need to find these guys. We need to understand that. I do find this fascinating. I'll begin to wrap up with this. That John or Joshua chapter 12, verse 24, 31 kings. I don't know the song about how many days in the year. 31 days has September, April, May, November. I don't know. But I do find it interesting. 31 
is the number. I think God is a God of details. I just believe that every day, whether 30 days in the month, 31 days, 28 days, 29, whatever, every day there's something we need to wage war against, if not more than one thing. Every day there's a thing or, or more that we need to wage war against here. And I just think the more we understand that every day we have something to fight for, the more we will understand it in the conversion process. When someone comes to Christ, we don't have them raise a hand, get a t-shirt, we all clap at them, and then send them down their way with wet, you know, wet dripping hair. We hand them a Bible and we say, welcome to the battle. You need to read what's in here. We're going to help you read it. Welcome to the battle. We have some things to fight for. And we just added someone else to the army. Welcome to the battle. There will be things in your life that the evil one will do all that he can to get you to compromise, to get you to minimize, to get you to justify so that you are ineffective being a part of this army. The, the evil one will do all that he can to ruin you, to remind you of your past sins. Even though scripture has said that you are forgiven of those sins, the evil one will continue to remind you and try to get that old self to come back and be right here instead of the new self that scripture talks about. Welcome to the battle. We need you in this. We need you to fight for your marriage. We need you to fight for your children. We need you to fight for the hearts of the men and women and children within the church community that you are a part of. We need you to be a man of biblical presence. We need you to love people well, not to be cynical, not to be skeptical, just love them well, be present, be a rock, be steadfast, immovable, not subject to change. Welcome. We need you. We got a lot of guys that you're going to learn from here, but you know what, buddy? We can't wait to learn from you because through you, God is telling a story that we need to hear. I just think that's a different conversion process than clapping at somebody, giving them a t-shirt, having them fill out a card and putting their picture on Facebook. I just think it's different. I think we need to be more intentional about that. That's a conviction I have. Listen, but none of this matters if you don't know Jesus. <clears throat> none of this matters if you don't know Jesus. This is some kind of rah-rah talk, you know, halftime speech by a coach in March Madness who's, you know, fixing on getting whooped by a number one seat or something. This, none of this matters if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about, and I've seen this happen, guys, I'm not talking about taking on the Christian genre or acting Christian or talking Christian, trying to armor all your life a little bit to get a little shine to you so I look a little different. I talk different. I sing different. I have different music in my car. You know, I, I'm talking about, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Do you understand that, that the, the Bible promised that he's coming? He's coming. We got to be ready for that. And when he came to earth, they weren't ready for it. Some were looking. Most were not. The light overcame darkness. He came to his own, as John says in one, John chapter one, and his own didn't even recognize him. They didn't even know him. And so he lived and he taught and he died. They put him on a cross. He died. He died for our sins. He promised that. I'm dying. He, that he would die for our sins, that he was making a way that he was the kingdom of heaven was forcibly advancing. All that Jesus said had come true, and they put him in a, in a tomb like they do with all of us. We're all going to go into the ground someday, or in a box, or in a mason jar, or in a vase, or something. We're all going in something. We're not going to take up space no more. But he came back to life. He resurrected. The resurrection changes everything. And because of that, the followers said, oh, then we're giving our whole life to him. This wasn't something they signed up for an hour and a half on Sunday and served on a team. And then the rest of the week, they went off to be, you know, numbers guy or garbage man or subway worker or what. No, this is what they did for every day of their life. They gathered together. They broke bread together. They, they talked to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They encouraged one another. They reminded each other of the promises. They held each other accountable for when they were falling on that. They took the, the message to the entire world, which is what we're supposed to do. But how come we can't even get it to our own address? 
So you get it to your address and you realize Jesus is alive and that changes everything. Not just on Easter, every day of the year. And then he went back to heaven. He said, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out upon you. You're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth. That's what they did. Did you sign up for that? No, I thought I was just... I just joined a church. I thought I just I just knew I need to turn my life around. I just no, that's what you signed up for. You may not have understood that, and maybe it wasn't shared with you, but that's what we're signing up for, biblically speaking. And the end times view of the early church was Jesus is going to come back. You better be ready. You better be ready. And we don't know when. Perhaps today. And I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, you need to surrender to him. And here's why He forgives you of your sins. There's nothing of your past that will be counted against you. He wipes it clean. Now listen, if Jesus promised to forgive you of your sins and he's still in the ground, then don't trust a word he says. But if he is alive, and we believe that with everything that we have, if he is alive, you've been given the gift of immortality when you're in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You're going to live forever. Romans 6, 4 says, buried with Christ, raised to walk in a new life. We have a new life. We're not perfect. We're not better than anyone else. We're just forgiven. And we take that message to other people. I, don't, I shouldn't walk around like I'm better than you. I should walk around like I have something I need to share with you. That's a different perspective. And then Romans 8, 11 says that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection, if that spirit lives and dwells in you, he too will give life to your mortal body. That when you die, this is what my son and I were talking about, where are you at? The Bible says we're with Jesus. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Is that the promise you have? Is that what you're holding on to? Passive men don't do that. Passive men just hope that if I'm nice enough, I make a good living, I put a roof over our head, I got food in the refrigerator. That's not bad because not everybody has that, right? I'm not, I'm not doing any of the big stuff, none of the mean stuff. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us it's all about Jesus. Godly men understand that. And I don't believe you're a passive guy. And if you are, I don't think you're going to be one for long. Godly men understand we have something we need to fight for and we need to protect our family from. And listen, as we say before, you're saved from something. What am I saved from? I'm saved from the, the consequences, the penalty, the punishment of my sins, and I'm saved for something. I'm now a conduit of the gospel. I now have a responsibility to take that message to whoever I come in contact with, starting with my house. But guy, it doesn't end in your house. That ain't enough. We start with our house. Perhaps you move to your church, you get involved and invested in the lives of people there, and then you take it wherever God leads you. Amen. So, men, appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate you guys in uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, that allowed us to come and minister uh, there for a couple days, connect with you guys. I felt like I got way more from the relationships, hopefully, than maybe than you got. Um, just really good to see y'all and talk to you guys. Uh, thanks for inviting us. We really appreciate it. I asked my son on the way home. I said, hey, the next thing I get, get called to, invited to, do you want to come with me? He said, 100%. So that's that's a good that's a good number. It's a good ratio. So man, appreciate y'all listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, man, make sure you click subscribe if you would uh, and get notified when there's new podcast episodes. So man, think about that, okay? More than anything else, do you know Jesus? We want to get that right. More than anything else, Amen. I'll talk to you in a little bit.